0: Hello there! Welcome to Positive Changes, a Self Kick podcast. I'm your host, Shelley F. Knight. I'm a former nurse and clinical hypnotherapist, term podcaster, and author of Positive Changes, a Self Kick book and Good Grief, the A to Z Approach of Modern Day Grief Healing. In each episode, I aim to share my clinical, spiritual, and personal experience to help you feel inspired to create your own positive changes in life fear not it's not just me each week I'll bring on a new guest and they will share their authentic story of positive change and the tools that they used on their journey so if you're ready to be inspired let's go This week, I am joined by the most fascinating guest, Robin H. Clare. Robin came on to talk about her obsessive relationship with food.
1: I am, you know, a typical mom, wife, daughter, and I and I lived through my whole corporate career, and then I became a spiritual teacher. But that whole time, for most, for almost forty years, I. Was I struggled with obsessive compulsive food disorder and bulimia, and so I, I I did all the things that I was guided to do from the Ascended Masters: write books, do things, but on some level I always felt like a fraud while I was doing anything because I just had this this background and this um, affliction that really took over my mind like every single day, and you know it would start with. What did I eat first? And if I ate something bad, then I could be bad the rest of the day. And so it, it, would, it really became obsessive compulsive. And of course, then I struggled with bulimia for 40 years as well.
0: But there's so much more to this beautiful woman, the spiritual teachings and the journey she's had. So please do join us today. I am joined by the wonderful Robin H. Clare. Robin is a spiritual author, channel for Ascended Masters, a recovery writing coach, and host of Hungry for Answers. So hello there, Robin. Hello, Shelley. Thank you for having me. Bless you. It's my absolute pleasure. You have quite a story, not one that we've really spoken openly about on the show. Mm-hmm. So please do share your backstory. Yes.
1: So I am... You know, a typical mom, wife, daughter, and I and I lived through my whole corporate career, and then I became a spiritual teacher. But that whole time, for most for almost 40 years, I was I struggled with obsessive compulsive food disorder and bulimia. And so I, I I did all the things that I was guided to do from the Ascended Masters, write books, do things, but on some level, I always felt like a fraud while I was doing anything because I just had this, this background and this um, affliction that really took over my mind like every single day. And, you know, it would start with what did I eat first? And if I ate something bad, then I could be bad the rest of the day. And so it, it would be, it really became obsessive compulsive. And of course, then I struggled with bulimia for 40 years as well. Uh, that began in my teenage years as, as a way to maybe maybe control how much I was eating, but I have to just share with your audience that, and I always say this when I'm on a podcast, bulimia is not a weight loss tool. In fact, your body goes into starvation mode and will hold on to any other calorie you have. And most likely if you're in if you're bulimic, you're going to gain weight. So I don't want people to even remotely think that it's a diet tool. Yeah. So um, so after a while, um, it got really bad at one point uh, about a couple of years ago. And my grandmother came through a reading with a with a friend of mine and said that if I don't stop the bulimia, I'm going to die. Basically, what she said was, if you don't bury the bulimia, your family will bury you. And of course, then I had to have one last pig out kind of food, uh, you know, food extraordinary evening and then i threw up and i started bleeding and i could feel it's almost like my body got turned inside out and i could feel all everything that i was doing to my body i could feel what it was doing to my organs to my head to my back and i was bleeding from from my nose and that's when i really hit rock bottom and then from there i had already written my recovery book, even though I was still in addiction, I was guided by Sophia, the, um, as I, as you mentioned, I'm a channel for the Ascended Masters, and Sophia is considered the Divine Mother, and she is also referred to as the Holy Spirit in Christianity, Christianity or the Shekhinah in Judaism, and, um, and she she came to me and said i need you to write a book and i need you to tell your recovery story so i'm thinking okay i can write the book but i'm not in recovery so i tried to fake it till i made it and at the end of the first time i wrote it i was like well i don't really have an ending so i put the book on hold and then i came into recovery and i could rewrite the book from from a recovery position and so sophia's message in the book is that there's one addiction and that's to suffering. That's what we all have. That's our addiction is to suffering. And if we can heal the trauma that created the pain, that created the suffering, we can truly move into recovery. Healing, um, take, you know, healing from alcohol or drugs or, or sex or whatever, Netflix, a bad relationship. That is healing the symptoms. It is not healing the problem the problem is the trauma that created the pain that created the suffering that required you to find something to feel better so addictive sources it's great to get off those obviously but when you really heal your trauma then you can stay in long-term recovery and so that's what i needed to learn
0: i love that i just I was just like nodding away because my background was nursing I left in November 2019 and I started out on acute medicine so sort of like you go into A&E and then you'd come up to us and we'd try and stabilize you and we had alcoholics there a lot there would always be an alcoholic or somebody with alcoholism to be PC on the ward and you know I started as a student nurse was there for a good year or so and I'd see the same people coming back again and again and again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we had to do a presentation as a newly qualified nurse. And I've shared it before, but I'll share it again. I did about these people with alcoholism coming in. And I said, they cost us thousands a year. And that wasn't a judgment. It was an observation. Because my point was, you're treating the symptoms they're presenting with. You're not treating yeah. the cause of why they do that. Right. The head of the hospital disagreed with me. But it came on the news. My mum like said, Shelly it's come up. It costs the NHS millions a year, you know, for people purely with alcohol, there's other addictions as well, like you said earlier. But we never get to the reason, like the trigger before the behavior. Right. And so when you were saying that was not in a way, it's just sort of like as you say, like you might, you know, like if there's a childhood trauma, sometimes it's not. A massive trauma. It's not always like the rape and the abandonment. Sometimes it's literally lost your teddy bear in a supermarket, but it's traumatic to the younger version of you. But if you're not healing it, you're just sticky plastering your way through life. You're not dealing with it. And so I love what you said about this deeper healing. And I think also we have trauma patterns
1: in our lives. So, for example, my fir- my mom put me on a diet. My first diet when I was seven. Wow. And it was so humiliating to be, I was at camp and everybody else was, um, this was my dog, I apologize. Um, everybody, everybody was eating dessert and my um, I couldn't. And so I would be embarrassed and I would run out. And then I noticed as I went through my own therapy journey, which I, I went into intense therapy, I found this pattern of being humiliated a lot. And that humiliation for me was, came out to be so interesting. What I discovered is I was afraid of, I became afraid of being humiliated. So if I went into the bathroom, if I overate and I threw up and I looked in the mirror, I would always roll my eyes at myself like that. You can see, cause you can see me on zoom. I, I found that I became into a pattern of self-humiliation. So that nobody else could humiliate me. So I was basically humiliating myself first. So sometimes these trauma patterns, we go into the addictive behavior so that we're it's almost like a form of protection from the trauma and the patterns that are sitting inside of us that our that our inner child, our inner teenager, our inner younger, whomever, is saying, We need to protect you. We need, we need to protect you. And, and really that's what they're doing. These inner, these parts of ourselves that have been traumatized, their job is to protect us unless we give them a different job. And the only way that we can give them a different job, like really we will want our inner child to do is to help us to have fun. Right. But when they're sitting there protecting you from being humiliated, it's hard to have fun because they're like, oh, well, wait, I have another job. And this may sound silly the way I'm saying it, but when you do your healing and you can say to your inner child, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for doing your job. Can I give you a new job? Can you be the one that says, let's go for a walk? Let's like go hang out at the beach, right? Like you do that. You do that. And I got this. I'm the adult.
0: I got this. I absolutely love them. So when they're doing this protective measure, like not sort of letting us grow and heal and things yeah. like that. Does that go back to what you said earlier on what Sophia channeled to you that we are kind of almost addicted to suffering? Is that why we are.
1: Yeah. We're we're addicted to suffering because we are we haven't healed the 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 trauma inside of ourselves. And so until we recognize it, we're going to keep we're going to keep getting into situations where we're suffering. And um, so addicted to suffering sounds really quite pathetic, I think, right, (laughs) for humanity, but we see it in our lives. We see that we're, you know, we're, you know, we're fearful, we're sad, you know, we we have, there are really only two emotions on the planet, which are love and fear, right? love and joy and and then everything else is a a subset of those you're either in some form of love or you're in some form of fear and i think our suffering keeps us in the fear side and so when we can heal the fear then we can move more into the love column and become more loving more joyful more confident more compassionate, more creative right all of those things that we really strive to be but then we look and we say "Ah, why can't i why is this so tough for me? It's because you're stuck in the fear, <laughs> the fear column with your suffering, with your trauma. So my real advice is to find a way to look at your trauma patterns and find a professional that can help you. Whether it's a it's a therapist or a life coach or your or your clergy. But I would say don't, it would be more helpful if you could do it with others who who have done it themselves and and can help you stay grounded while you're doing it because it's a lot it's a lot to do your work but tell you i was watching something oh nine perfect strangers with nicole kimmon last night and she said you know i understand that that how how much pain trauma feels but i also understand what it feels like to heal and there's nothing feel there's nothing as exuberant as healing feels, you know, it feels so wonderful. So if you can move into a situation where you could start doing your healing, I also truly believe that it helps you to sustain long-term recovery from the addictive source that you're using to help feel better from your suffering.
0: Yeah, because I think when we start to heal, I shouldn't say we. I shouldn't say I. I think when I've started to heal, I didn't realize how much I was carrying in the first place.
1: Oh yes, we don't know. And one of the things you said, Shelley, that's really important. Trauma. You know, there is certainly, certainly, a lot of significant tr- childhood trauma. You know, people that have had very abusive lives, but we don't even know like things that our parents might have said to us that we misunderstood because we're a child right? And then we carry that with us. So it's not always the things that, that, um, that are significant, like that you suffered from true abuse, it could be, you know, our parents aren't perfect, they're holding their own trauma and their own suffering, right? And then they become parents. And then that's how they know how to how to parent, right? So it's really up to you as the individual, to look at your own patterns. And also what comes out of looking at your own patterns is a very deep sense of forgiveness for your parents because they were really just doing the very best that they could with their own suffering and their own limited understanding of how to be a parent. You never have to condone their behavior, but you come to a recognition that, wow, they must have really carrying their own crap, you know, if this is how they behaved, right? And so- Forgive And and I believe that forgiveness of your parents is so incredibly important to have healthy all your, it, I think it has an impact on all your other relationships. So if you can forgive your parents, again, not condoning their behavior, you don't ever have to do that. But if you can forgive them, you you're really healing yourself. You know, I think healing, forgiving others heals you. And then that helps
0: in your, the rest of your relationships. Yeah, absolutely. It's reminded me of a story I learned whilst I was doing my past life regression. And it's just to say about, you know, the trauma is different for everyone. And there was a lady whose mum, so basically within the family home, and she was around seven, which I know is always a key point in life, isn't that that seven years? But she was seven years old, and she came to the client came down the stairs and witnessed her mum looking over her granddad, who'd collapsed in the hallway. Her mum, thinking she'd done the right thing, just gave her a like a packet biscuit and said, Oh, you know, just go nibble these in your room, kind of thing, to get her away from the actual trauma, the collapsed granddad, who fully recovered. But to her, that was traumatic. She came down, found her grandfather collapsed, mm-hmm. and she went on to develop a food order um, mm-hmm. disorder because whenever she was traumatized or witnessed something she didn't like she would feed herself to feel better yeah or that's what you do when you don't know what to do almost right so you know she hadn't seen her grandfather collapse she witnessed him on the floor he made a full recovery but she remembered her mum giving her biscuits look away go eat and that became her trauma and so it's not what some would cause a trauma but for her and that went through her entire life until she started to heal yes yes
1: and then you know the same for me being on that diet at seven years old really had an impact on my own view of my own body like am I ever thin enough right and I still struggle with that but I have so many more tools now you know to 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 stay grounded and i and i see myself much more than just my body now and that that's always helpful but our society really places so much focus places so much focus on body image that i think we have to learn that we are just beautiful whatever
0: shape we're in not easy though not no easy. and i think my belief system again it goes back to my past life aggression training is that we choose the body in which we come into and I know when I've gone into my life between lives that I had the choice of being um of color of being disabled this body and that was it there wasn't much choice I'm honest Robin um but if you said to someone like that hadn't gone that way or you know, hadn't discovered past life or life between life, they'd be like, well, why did I choose this body? But, you know, like, it's like, why would I choose to have so much love and loss in my life? But I did, and I did choose this body, you know, but I think that's probably hard, but maybe that comes, I mean, you've gone on such a journey, you said like 40 years, but now you have all these spiritual teachings, you know?
1: Yes, I mean, the spiritual teachings really helped me to develop a loving relationship with myself. And- to discover that I'm so much more than my body. I'm really a soul being having a a human body experience, right? And so when I started looking at my relationship with my soul, I started to become, started to look at my body in a totally different way. Like this is a sacred vessel for my soul. And how do I want to treat this? right? If if God, if you knew that a piece of God, if we're all a divine spark of God, right? Little piece of soul, and you know that your soul is living in your body, what are you planning to feed that body? Like, why would you, why would you pollute it, right? Why would you not treat it healthily? So I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means now, not even close. It's as I, as I shared with you earlier, it's a day-to-day, meal-to-meal, snack-to-snack, adventure for me. Like I have to really think about what am I doing all day? And maybe one day I'll be able to move beyond that. But for me to maintain recovery right now, I have to really focus on it. And I do that through um, I do that through managing what I'm eating and um, and tracking it. So I think, though, the thing the point I really want to make in this part of the show is when you begin to look at your body as a sacred vessel for your soul you're more likely to choose healthy foods maybe less alcohol you know more exercise more water like you're you're going to say what does my body need to function at its optimum capability so that my soul has a good home while it's here in this body
0: you say it so beautifully, like a sacred vessel for your soul. I know, like, my first book was quite light-hearted, so in Positive Changes, a self-kick book, I said along the lines of, you know, this is the only place you've got to live during this incarnation, so look after it. But it is. And, again, my came from being angry with my body initially. Mm-hmm. So it came when I was having consecutive miscarriages. And I thought, you know as a woman I should be able to carry a child No one else seemed to make it seem so easy and I got really angry it wasn't doing the job that I wanted it to do or I believed I had the right for it to do and I was really angry for a long while but then you know I don't know it was that whole healing thing um like my last pregnancy I'm quite open about it was when I wanted to commit suicide because that was told to terminate what is now our amazing seven-year-old daughter but I hit rock bottom, my body wasn't working, it was losing all these lives, but I started to heal, you know, at this baby, and I thought, you know what, I've had a vision of a dark haired girl to go, like, to come into our life. so I'm going to go full on in, and I had, like, Reiki, Colors, Believed in Miracles, read pretty much every spiritual book there was at the time, affirmations, psychic surgery, started to eat differently, and things like that. And that's where that chapter in positive changes come from, because actually I had this realization that maybe I wasn't making the best choices for my body. You know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I was sort of like treating it like a really bad relationship, and who stick around in a bad relationship? And so I love how you say it a sacred vessel for your soul, but it is, yeah. isn't it? It's like we have to live in this body for this particular incarnation, so we really need to have the best relationship we can with it. Mm-hmm.
1: And I also think our soul is, you know, our soul has a journey, it has a mission, it wants to accomplish in this lifetime, and we, we, um, sorry about the dog again, we, um, the soul wants to accomplish its mission, and then what will happen is, things will happen, I call it the good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) <laughs> right experiences in our lives but no they're all soul directed right because there's a certain place your soul wants to get to in each incarnation for your own soul growth and so when you start looking at it like that you'll say why that's really ugly but I guess I needed to learn that right you become more more open-minded to what's happening in your life one of the things I thought of when you were telling your story about your daughter I also believe that that we choose our parents. And so while we're busy having, I, I, I also struggled with miscarriages. And then my final pregnancy was my son and he, and my son Garrett. And he was, he looked just like the baby I saw in my dream. And finally I said, oh, there you are. Like I knew like he was, he was meant to be with us, right? Because I had seen him before in a dream. And so if our children are choosing us, Some are going to choose us and say, hey, I'll come for two weeks, and then I can't stay. There's something you need to learn, but I have a job. I'm coming for two weeks, and then I'm going to leave, and I'm sorry that you're going to be in pain. This is like, I think, conversations we have before we even arrive on the soul level, and then they're the ones that are going to be your children, and and they'll be in your life till whenever you're not in their life or they're not in yours, but I, I do believe that everyone plays a part in making sure that you learn what is in your highest and best good on your soul's journey and so however it works out we can forgive the past because that was all part of the the lessons that we needed to learn in order to be the person that we are at this exact moment in time and that's really all that matters is the present moment because we can't live in regret of the past or fear of the future, we have to stay right here. And it's silly to carry all that stuff with us, right? All yeah. the regret. Um, because we have to know that it was part of the journey to get us to this exact moment in time. Yeah, I think
0: that's beautiful. It, there's a really cute conversation with Daisy. So Daisy's our seven-year-old. So she started out as triplets, or so it's thought she was certainly one of a twin. And I just kept losing and losing and losing. And then she was born with congenital disorders, but I say she's seven and very feisty. But what I learned from past life regression training is like the soul can join, like the fetus at different stages of that nine months. And some will come in like within the three months when it starts to truly develop. Um, others will all like, sort of like running last minute, thinking, "Yes, this is my incarnation." And I thought, "Oh, that's interesting." But it was only recently, and I remember telling my mum this that <laughs> we we have this funny thing here at nighttime that we we'll say good night, I love you, and my children, particularly the youngest two, will go, "I love you more." And it's like, "No, I love you more." Mm. And so we have this conversation every night, and I went and say good night to Daisy. And I said, I love you more. She goes, I love you more because I chose you. And I was just like, did you? Yes. And and I said, tell me about that. And she goes, well, it's funny. She goes, I nearly didn't come, but then I jumped in last minute. Yeah. And I just cried. I just went, Yeah, you did. You literally jumped in last minute. She went, I know. She goes, I'm so funny. And it was beautiful kind of painful as well because yeah you know, I thought I was an interesting story and in past life regression that the soul can join yes. at any stage and she was just sort of like said I've loved you for longer because I chose you and then just went Do you know I nearly didn't come in the lightest humor and in that moment you know it's just, you just have these little bubbles of spirituality don't you and in that moment I thought we are so much more than what we think we are
1: oh yeah I mean there there's so there's such a, there's I wouldn't call it a system but it's 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 the 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 system of life right of creation and we think we know but it is so much bigger than all of us and and if even if you were to say i don't really believe in god but you believe in creation then we're all part of the same creation so you know perhaps god is just the sum of all of us right the sum of all of our divine sparks creates this energy that is seems like it's greater than all of us it's you know it's a personal decision but um i think that we have to um just know that that like like a flower right like a flower you see you plant the seeds and then it comes up and then it has leaves and then it blooms it's the same thing for us right and then it withers and then it passes and so you know, I think sometimes in our own intelligence, we we forget that that it is as simple as that. You know, it's the cycle the cycle of life, and I do believe in all the lifetimes, and and the time that we spend in the non physical. This time is just like a snap, right? It's so fast compared to our existence on the soul level. So I always say that home is really when we're when we're out of the body. And this is where we came here to learn and grow on the soul level. And so I really always encourage my clients to really get to know their soul. And a way to do that, Shelley, really simply is to sit down with a journal or a piece of paper every morning and say to your soul, what would you like me to know today? And then just start writing for a minute, five minutes, whatever you want to do. And that begins the connection to your soul by asking, what would you like me to know? And then whatever you write, no matter what it is, even if it's your grocery list, <laughs> it's what your soul wanted you to know. So don't feel like, oh my God, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to hear, it's not like that. It's whatever, whatever comes to you, you know, oh, I saw the most beautiful sunset yesterday, you know, whatever it,
0: whatever it is. So um, that that's really important. I think that journey is a really lovely tool. So the tips and tools you've shared so far, you've went into therapy, which is quite deep. You've had spiritual teachings. You talk about food tracking. What's the one positive change that you'd recommend people can make today around their relationship with food? Yeah, I think it's almost like a combination
1: of all of those, really to begin to see your body as a sacred vessel, like as the home of your soul and thinking about what would I want to be feeding my soul today? You know, and 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 with that, I think the best way to manage that because you know, we we sometimes I can't even remember what I had for breakfast, right? So tracking to me, there's even uh, tools like MyFitnessPal, which you can pick up on your phone, and what the that tool does for me, it allows me to see what I'm eating all day, if I'm drinking my water, if I'm doing the right nutrients, you know. So I'm so I'm maintaining my sacred vessel. And some people may say, well, that's obsessive and compulsive. And I'm like, yes, it is. But I would rather do that than be obsessively compulsively eating. Because at least I know I'm doing something in a healthy way. And some days I don't, because I can manage it. But if you're struggling with obsessively eating, I think tracking what you're eating
0: is really important. for trying to stay in recovery from it. I think that's really important. Like this, yes, it might be obsessive, but it's a positive obsessive. That sounds like a it oxymoron. It is a positive obsessive. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I agree. Because I actually
1: get excited at the end of the day when I've had a healthy day. Like I'm like, oh, good for you, you know. Versus like, oh my god, what did I eat all day? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, I'm not beating myself up. I'm, I'm, I'm praising myself for for having a healthy day. And yeah. perhaps one day, I, one day I won't have to, but for me in my recovery, this is what's important for me. And, and it's a wonderful tool.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's fabulous. I truly do. Speaking of fabulous, you've got a freebie. So tell the listener how they can access your freebie where they can find you. Yes.
1: So I, um, I, uh, my website is www.clarity.com. That's C-L-A-R-E ity.com. And I have a free 30 minute conversation with anyone who signs up. And I'm pretty open to talking about any, any spiritual question that you have any life question, business question, writing question, I'm a writing coach, and I work with people I use writing as a recovery tool for people and I help them to take their recovery story and make it into a book. So if they have any desire to write a book and they're looking for a coach, um, I love to do that. I love, I feel like their biggest cheerleader. I feel like I'm almost partnering with them on their book and, and
0: holding the energy of excitement for them for it. I love that. I'm smiling away because in Positive Change is a self-kick book. My first one before Good Grief, there's a chapter called from mess to message and it's exactly that like turning your trauma or turning you know your story from that messy of no purpose into you know a tool for others like creating a book yeah so it's healing healing for you but then beneficial for others so I absolutely love that
1: and it really, it, and, I, and I, I decided to do that after I wrote Feast and Famine, Healing Addiction with Grace, I wrote it the second time and realized how powerful that was in, in uh, grounding my recovery. And I thought, wow, I could teach others how to do that. So I also then became a recovery coach professional so that I really understood recovery from a traditional point of view. And now I, now I combine the two.
0: That's absolutely fabulous. I found this whole conversation fabulous. So Robin H. Clare, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you, Shelley, for having me on. If you enjoy today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFNight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at Shelly life goes on. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing.